Hey everyone, welcome to the Surrey Pentecostal Assembly Teachings Podcast. This is where we share our teachings with you so that you can stay connected no matter where you are. We hope this helps you journey with Jesus so that you can grow to be more like Him. Thanks for tuning in. So listen, we, uh, you saw the video uh, pre- previous to this, and we're talking about peace. And I, I went online and I, uh, I Googled peace. Do you know how many, how many results I found when I typed in the word peace? I found, ready, 2,790,000,000 results. So we're going to talk about every one of them here this morning. We would be here for just a long time. The, the top result when talking about peace is, of course, the whole deal that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Of course, we're praying for, for uh, the peace in, in Russia and Ukraine here this morning as well. And, but, but, you know, peace is something that, that I believe sp- peace is a spiritual discipline. I believe peace does not come easily. There is some work that must be involved when it comes to peace. And let me let me just see, let me just define for you what peace actually is. Peace, if this thing actually works, is is it's working here, but it ain't working there. Why don't you talk to the wonderful person beside you and tell them how wonderful you are and how glad that you don't have to worry about technology like I do here this morning. Let's try this again. All right, here we go. See that? See that? That's a that's a peaceful uh, a setting right there. Let's try that again. Here we go. Here we go. Peace. Define. There you go. Dictionary.com. Everybody loves dictionary.com. It says peace is the non-warring condition of a nation, group, or nations of the world. The the normal freedom from civil. Com- um, Thank you. Commotion and violence. I need somebody to read for me. And violence of a community, public order, and security. So this is the way the world describes what peace is all about. Actually, you know, there's a guy by the name of, uh, uh, a theologian by the name of Bob Dylan. Anybody hear of him? Yeah. He says, peace is the time it takes to reload your rifle. It's interesting. I heard somebody else say that that the only time there has been peace in history is when people stop long enough to to uh, reload. And see, I don't think that's the kind of peace that we're looking for. We're not looking for peace that is the absence of violence or a pause in the violence. We're looking for peace that is lasting. Peace is about a relationship. And and we want to look into what does that mean. First of all, peace, let's talk about biblical peace. Everybody knows this word, right? Shalom. Shalom means completeness, soundness, and welfare. The root name word for shalom is shalom, which means making amends or making whole or complete. This word is used in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, Testament 237 times. So it's probably an important thing that we look at. So I, I, what I want to do here for the next couple seconds is because I, I could probably describe Shalom for you, but I found a great video on, uh, on Right Now Media. By the way, it, you can go there if you want, Right Now Media. But uh, it was put out by the Bible Project. Short video on what does Shalom mean. Let's take a look if that works. 
It's so sad, you know, when you think about it, that there were things that the Israelite, the kings, knew they were supposed to do. And maybe there are things we know we're supposed to do, but we fail to do them. And therefore, shalom, that peace, the completeness, the fullness of God isn't, isn't acted upon. You know, I, I, I love the fact that in Israel, when it comes to the, uh, the people there, their greeting is shalom alechem which means peace be unto you or, or well-being may be unto you. We say, what do we say here when, as a greeting? How's it going? How many of us really even care? Like, let's be honest. I've said this many times before, but we use that greeting instead of saying, let there be peace between you and I. Old Testament, so we, we talked about sh- shalom. Second uh, definition, they mentioned there was erene, and erene is the New Testament co- equivalent. It means one. It means peace. It means quietness. It means rest. It's used 91 times in the New Testament in every book except First John, interesting enough. Irene means unity. You look at, at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, for he himself is our what? He is our peace who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, there are two opposite opposing groups, of course, that, that, uh, that Paul was talking about here, the Gentiles and the Jews. And there was tension between the two. And there was fights and conflicts. How many of you, by the way, have ever seen the movie Klaus? Anybody see the movie Klaus? Some of you. Some of you. Okay, good movie. It's on Netflix. Netflix. Uh, it's about a guy, but it's it's not a true story. Okay, just to make that clear. But it's about a guy by the name of Jasper Johansson, and he's sent to this northern island of Schmierensburg. You know, all know about that island. And he's sent to this island, and there is a rivalry between two families that goes on for a very long time. Obviously fictional, but the whole situation of conflict isn't. There is a conflict between families. There is a conflict between individuals. There are conflicts between, between nations, as we know, between right now Ukraine and Russia. And there's this tension. And Jesus says, listen, I've come to bring Irene, I have come to bring oneness. I have come to bring peace. So we define peace. Let's let's describe peace. And let's talk, talk about it in prophecy. Biblical scholar Alfred um, Eidenstein, he said there are 456 Old Testament verses that talk about the Messiah in the Old Testament. 456 verses that, that sorry, yeah, that number there, right there. That's that's the number. Right. That number right there. That that talk about that talk about Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. I find that really cool. That he fulfilled, I don't know if I got that up there. There you go. He fulfilled 300 prophecies. Uh, 11 Old Testament prophecies directly predict the birth and death of our Lord Jesus. Let me let me give you a couple here this morning. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will, will give you a what? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. You go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It's, and, and this is so incredible because we're talking hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus was born. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me 
One who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. If you jump from there to, uh, to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, when it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. My point is there are prof- prophetic messages about Jesus talking about that he's going to come. Now, we know this stuff, but it's good to be reminded once again that there was a message that Jesus was going to come. And, of course, and we're going to preach. I'm going to preach on this in a couple of weeks on this, on this verse here, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Come on, let's read it. For unto us... Let me tell you, when this was written, it wasn't a good time for Israel. Ten of the 12 tribes of Israel were already in captivity. And they were going through some uh, some big challenges. And the last two tribes, which was the tribe of Judah, that those two tribes were just about to go into captivity. In the midst of, of national and international mayhem and chaos, Isaiah tells the people, and he calls the people to go back and to look because there is something coming for them. He says, don't get focused on the trouble. Don't get focused on the fact that the enemy was literally at their door. He says, look, you've got to come and look to the fact that God is going to send you a deliverer. He is going to send you a son, and his name shall be Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace means that the the term is Shalom, the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures this peace. See, he basically what Isaiah was saying is, look, what's going to happen is God's going to bring you someone that's not just going to bring a little bit of peace, but he is going to bring you, he is the Prince of Peace, the absolute epitome And folks, I want you to understand here this morning that when we are going through challenges in our lives and when we feel disturbed within us and when we feel that life is overwhelming and overbearing, we've got to step to the Prince of Peace. We've got to ask him to fill us with his presence. Prophetically, it talked about this thing called peace. Then, of course, we have the incarnation. That means the birth of Jesus. Now, now I want you to stop and think about this for a second. I want you to put yourself in a place of the shepherds on that first Christmas. You're out there on the field, and uh, you're at some distance. You may see that old little town of Bethlehem. And by the way, it was a little town. It wasn't a big place. Scholars say there could have been anywhere between three to 600 people. That's it. It's a small place. And so you're sitting there, and you're sitting on the field, and you're saying, thank you, dear Father, that I don't have to be in that town. Because what's going on is that there was a census taken. You know the story. And, that, uh, and so what's going on is, is at the time, the Caesar's going, man, you know what? I want to know how many people I got in my land. I want to have a count so I know how many I can send out into battle. And, and, and so, he, so he, uh, he's pretty arrogant, so he calls the census. And it wasn't like today where you could dial 1-800-CENSUS. It wasn't like today where you could get on your, your device or your computer and just put in your info. No, no, it didn't work that way. Back then, you had to jump on your, your horse and wagon and some who didn't have it had to hoof it and go home to your hometown, regardless how far away it was. And all of a sudden, Bethlehem exploded. 
explodes because everybody has come. We don't know how many people were there, but there's a lot of people. So you're out there as a shepherd sitting there going, man, I am so glad. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're like this. I don't like crowds. I know I, I, maybe some of you love being in, in, in Walmart or Costco at this time. If you do, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. I avoid those places like the plague. So these guys are, are, are out there on the fields, and this is what happens. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, You guys got to get your, your, your cue here, okay? On earth, peace on, to man on whom his favor rests. I mean, peace on, what? What are you talking about? Peace on, see, they knew about peace. They knew about the Pax Roma, Rom, Romana, the Pax Romana or Roman peace. You've heard of it, right? So here's the, here's the Pax Romana. Pax Romana basically says, there will be peace in Rome. Because Rome was the biggest bully on the block. And if you stepped out of line, they put you back in line. Or they put you on a cross. Like this is this. They forced this thing in peace. It wasn't like everybody was in their house and, and enjoying a nice cup of, of Roman wine. And, and the, the streets were lined with roses. It, no, it was a tough time. So they understood this whole thing of forced peace. Peace on earth. What is this angel talking about? Good will, good news. Now, now listen. Good news was something. The, the way the word good news is gospel, right? Just so you know. And and this this word of good news, this propaganda of good news, was announced many times by the Romans. So they would do what is called um, evangelion. They would evangelize. They would go out as Romans and saying, "We've got a new Caesar." And this Caesar is, uh, is, is someone that, that we need to celebrate. Or, or Rome has won a great victory, so they would evangelize. They would send this good news. So these guys understood good news from a different perspective. How many of you gl are glad that peace and good news is different than the world's peace and good news? See, here's the thing. The angel said, look at we are bringing you serious good news. The philosopher, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, Epatikas, Epatikas, there you go. He said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart of which man yearns more than even for the outward peace. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for peace within our, our hearts and within our soul. And this is what was ushered in on that first Christmas morning, evening, because we all know it's about the evening. Those that celebrate Christmas morning, you got it wrong. Okay, it's all about Christmas Eve. Let me just leave it there for a second. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, God was in Christ making peace between the world and himself. In Christ... God did not hold the world guilty of its sin, and he gave us his, this message of peace. In other words, God says, you know what? It's enough. It's enough conflict. It's enough fighting. It's enough a distance between me and my people. Something's got to change. And so he brought this, this person into the, this world, his son Jesus, to bring us peace. And how, how was peace displayed? Well, well let, let's, let's, uh, let's watch the next part of this video. 
Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I, he says, I, I do give it to you. Let your heart not be troubled. Let, yourself, let you not be afraid. There is a lot of people that are going through trouble. There's a lot of people that are going through fear. There's a lot of people that are going through unrest. And God said, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He says, I have come. I have come, first of all, that you can have peace with me, the Father says. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I've talked about this many times. Being an enemy of God is not a good thing. Being God's enemy is not a positive way. You can't take on God and win. Let me hear it. Let me, let me, let me explain that. You cannot win again. It's like you coming against, against a, a tank with a pea shooter. How many of you know that's not going to work? You cannot take on God and win. We need to have peace. It says here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But now he has reconciled you. Another vision has made you friends again by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. I, I, just, I just love the fact that God stepped out and says, Man, I want to have a relationship with you. Folks, I just, I just want to say this here for a minute. I, I, I wonder how many of us take that seriously, that God wants a relationship with us. If we really take it seriously enough and say, God, let me take some time with you and really enjoy your presence. Let me enjoy your word. Let me get close to you. See, God told us that he wants to be close with us, and then he made a way for us to be close with us. Hebrews 10 verse 22 says that we can come near to him with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. He's made that open door for us to come and enjoy a relationship with him. How sad it is when we don't take him up on that. How sad it is when we are way too busy to take time with Jesus, to take time with our Father. If you are too busy to pray, then you're just too busy. We need to take time with our Heavenly Father. He's, Christ came to give us peace with God. He came to bring us peace with each other. You know, I, I can tell you this. There is way too much conflict between individuals, isn't there? Way too, you know, it's interesting. There was a, uh, there was a church that, that they have this visitor card. We've got this, these visitor cards as well. And they put, down, they put on the visitor card uh, different things. And one of the things they put on there was, what would you like prayer for? And they actually removed the visitor card because most of the visitor pe people that came in, they, uh, they put the same thing down. And they thought, we've got to think of a different way to word this. Obviously, they had watched way too many celebrity uh, uh, get-togethers or whatever. They said the one thing most people on, put on there is, we want to see peace on earth. And that sounds wonderful. Who doesn't want peace on earth? But it's going to start with us. It's got to start with you and I. It's got to start with us looking, are there conflicts between us and someone else? Are there things that we can do to bring a relationship? As that video showed, when it comes to, to shalom, shalom is bringing back together that which is, was broken. 
Stop and consider, are there places where there were things in your life between someone that's broken? Back to Ephesians 2, as you see it up there, it says, for he himself is our who has, brought, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. He says in verse 16, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, but what she put to death, their hostility. I don't know if I'm I'm there. there, Next, there you go. He says in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. We need need peace. (laughs) We We just really need peace between us. We need to have a, a, a good relationship. Wouldn't it be something if instead of talking about what we don't like in each other, we would sit down and we'd start talking about Jesus as believers, and we'd start talking about what we have in common. Wouldn't it be great instead of, instead of wars and nonsense, all the stuff that's going on, if people could sit down and honestly sit and, and dialogue? See, I think the biggest challenge when it comes to brokenness, brokenness in marriages, brokenness in relationships, brokenness in the church family, is there's a brokenness in communication. And I believe we need to work on that in a great, great way. And see, it's up to you to make that happen. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 18, he says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on what? On you, live at peace with everyone. Can I encourage you? If you are in a place, if there is a relationship in your life, whomever it may be, and there is some friction, some tension, can I encourage you to to take them out for a cup? No, not a coffee. That's a drug. Take them out for a tea or for for a hot chocolate or something. Sit down with that individual and make Make peace. I think that's incredibly important. We, thirdly, we have to have peace with ourselves. It's, Jesus is the one who brought peace. And there are a lot of people that are, you know, honestly, I, I wonder what would happen if I, were to, if I were to display what's going on in your life, in your heart. If, I, if we could display that. For everybody to see, would it be a thing of peace (laughs) or would it be like, oh man, there is a lot of stuff going on down there? Are we living in turmoil or are we living in peace? Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, he will keep in what? Perfect peace. He whose mind is steadfast. Steadfast on what? Steadfast on the things of God. Steadfast on what God wants to instill within us. Because he what? He trusts in you. We all know Proverbs 3, verse 5. What is it? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Come on. Trust. Lean not on your... Wow. Trust in, trust in the Lord with all of your heart is what it says. Trust, put full confidence in him. And I believe as we begin to trust him and say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to put my confidence in you in this. Then God will come through for us. If uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious. Oh, man. 
How many of how many know somebody, somebody that's anxious? Somebody that's going through challenges. Hey, listen, how many, you don't have to put your hand up, but in the week, this last week, how many of us been anxious about something? He says, don't be anxious about, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Paul. What are you talking about? Well, Paul's sitting in prison right now when he's writing this. So I think he knows what he's talking. He says, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests, what? To the Lord and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will what? Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to call the band back up here at this point. See, Jesus wants to give you peace in your heart, peace in your soul, peace in your mind. Regardless of the situation you are going through, if you can say, God, would you fill me with your presence, he can bring you that peace. During the Korean War, Billy Graham had the opportunity of ministering to American soldiers. And he was out, look, out actually went out and, and met with different people out there on the line. And he says that he, uh, he was out there and he, he walked into a, uh, with a chaplain to a young man who was obviously in the last moments of his life. And they were sitting beside this young man and um, they asked him, is there anything we can do for you? And the, the, the young guy had a smile on his face. And, he's, and he was at, at death's door, and he was clutching a New Testament in his bloody hands. And his finger was on, on this verse in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, and he said to Billy Graham, and he said to Chaplin, he says, you know what? It's all right. It's all good because he understood the peace of God that transcends all understanding even in the time of, of grief, in the time of, of personal loss. Let me ask you this. Where are you putting your trust in? What are you putting your confidence in? Is it in the things of God or is it... Is it in, in, in whatever situation, if, it, if it's work or if it's your bank account, what are we putting our trust in? I'm going to call the board members up at this point in time. We want to we go into a time of communion here together. Ooh.